You're listening to the preaching podcast of the Amazing Grace Baptist Church located in Mount Airy, North Carolina, where Dr. Jonathan Barker is the pastor. We pray that the following message will be a blessing to you. If you have your Bibles tonight, let's open up the book of Jeremiah. Book of Jeremiah. I'm going to be heading your way in the book of Jeremiah, but I want to start reading a few verses here in the book of James. Here in the book of James, and I want to read a couple verses here, then we're going to go to the book of Jeremiah. Uh, and that'll be chapter number one of Jeremiah. And uh, tonight I'll let you remain seated while we read because I'm going to try to read the whole first chapter. And uh, I say this every time I preach, but y'all have to look over me as I, uh, as I read because I struggle with names and I struggle with, well, just any, any word. I, it, it, it just, I just don't read good. Um, shame on me for not learning how to read when I was younger. Uh, kids, learn how to read. <laughs> so there you go. There's, there's a little nugget for the, for the teachers out there and for the parents. Y'all learn to read. All right. But uh, y'all, if, as you're in your place in the book of um, uh, Jeremiah, I'm going to be over in the book of James, and um, uh, I'm going to read a few verses here, and we'll see what the Lord has for us tonight. James chapter number 1, verse number 22, the Bible says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was, but whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, um, he being not a for um, a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. And now I'm coming over there to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter number one, verse number one. The Bible says, "The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priest that that wherein." Uh, and Ahiath, or however you say that, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came into the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, um, of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign, he came also into the days of Jehoiakim, and the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, under the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly... That's a pretty good little verse right there. And uh, I, I, can't get, I can't help but pause there just a second and think about that verse. Before I formed thee in the belly. I think we forget a lot of times who's speaking right there. Jeremiah may have wrote it, but there was somebody speaking there that's greater than Jeremiah. That's greater than any man in our Bible. That's greater than any other character in our Bible is speaking right here. And he says some truths right here that should stay with us forever. He says, before I formed thee in the belly. Before I, God said that, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Here it is again. Before thou came forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord put, uh, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down and to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. 
And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time, saying, What seest thou? And I said, I see a, a, a sithing pot, and the face thereof is toward the north. Then the Lord said unto me, Out of the north an evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. For lo, I will call all the families of the kingdoms of the north, saith the Lord. And they shall come, and they shall set every one in his throne at the entering of the gates of Jerusalem, and against all the walls thereof round about, and against all the cities of Judah. And I will utter my judgments against them, touching all their wickedness, who have forsaken me, and have burned incense unto other gods, and worship the works of their own hands. Thou therefore gird up thy loins, and arise, and speak unto them all that I command them. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. For behold, I have made thee this day a defensed city, and an iron pillar, and a brazen walls, against the whole uh, land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, and against the priests thereof, and against the people of, of the land. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail." against thee, for I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. Jesus, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for what you do for us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for being God. We thank you, Lord, for loving us, God. Thank you, Lord, for choosing us to live the life that we live, God. God, I pray, God, today, God, that we just forgive us our sins, our failures, our shortcomings, God. God, we've let you down, God. We've just disappointed you in so many ways, God. And I pray, God, that you'll seem to look over our mishaps, God. And I pray, God, that you'll reach down and hear the prayers of your servant tonight, God. And I pray, God, that you'll touch us tonight, God. Touch our words, God. Touch our voice, God. And use us in a mighty way, God. God, we gotta have you, God. I pray, God, if you're not gonna be in it, God, I pray, God, that you'll go ahead and shut it down right now, God. God, we got to have you, God. It's not worth it if you're not here, God. God, please show up in our midst tonight, God. God, help us tonight, and we'll be careful, God, to give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. If I could title my message tonight, or the Lord's message is the way I should say it, I'd like to title it something after a kind of carnal illustrator, a kind of a carnal thing. Nike. Anybody know Nike saying? Just do it. Just do it. There's some of you in here that just needs to do it. I don't know what it is, but there's somebody, somebody in here just needs to do it. Preacher, what are you talking about? Do it. You tell me. The Lord's been dealing with you about something. Just do it. The Lord was dealing with Jeremiah here, and he was telling him, just do it. Just go and do it. He said, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Just do it. Not only that, he said, before, before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. Just do it. That's what he's wanting you to do tonight. So if I could preach a message tonight, but with the Lord's help, I'd like to bring a thought out of, out of here on just do it. Just do it. Jeremiah, I found, studying Jeremiah, he is a very interesting guy. Uh, he is a prophet. But not only is he a prophet, he's also a priest. And that's, that, that, that carries double weight there. You need to study that out on a prophet and a priest and what the difference of the two would have been and how that that would have probably... It'd been tough. It's kind of like the difference between being a preacher... And being a pastor and a preacher. You get what I'm saying? There's a difference there. There's a difference there. There's more responsibility that comes with that prophet owning. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, think about this. If a prophet prophesied something and it didn't come true, a lot of places just killed them. Just killed them straight dead. They were dead. So, I mean, you better be sure about what you're going to say is going to happen. I mean, you probably wasn't placing no bets that the Yankees was going to win tonight. I mean, that's just how, that's, that's exactly what you wouldn't do. So, I mean, you better just be careful. But, there had been a different weight there. But think about this. Jeremiah is very interesting. There's only three kings mentioned here in the very early parts of this chapter. But Jeremiah would have actually seen in his lifetime and in his ministry, he would have seen five kings. He would have seen five kings. And we're going to talk a little bit about them kings here in just a little bit. It's amazing about those kings because he's seen the best of them and he's seen the worst of them. 
during his life. And Jeremiah, I'm telling you, Jeremiah is very interesting. We're going to get into it in just a second. Um, he was born during the wicked reign of Manasseh. That was so really you could think in his lifetime he's seen six kings. Uh, Manasseh was a very wicked king. He done a lot of wicked things. Uh, he was, and as, as our Bible tells it, he, um, he done evil in the sight of God. That's what our Bible says about a lot of the kings in, in the book of Kings. And, and it tells us a lot. I love reading the book of Kings. You can read it like a history book. And I love history. And if you love history, you need to read the book of Kings. Because book of Kings, you've got to read it with the book of Chronicles. And you may even need to throw Samuel in there. There's a bunch of different books you've kind of got to read together to understand it all. But, it's very interesting when you go to study him out. But he was born during the, during the reign of Manasseh. Um, he began prophesying during the reign of Jehoiakim. And we're going to talk about him in just a minute. I don't want to really go back into a lot of detail yet. Um, he prophesied for about 41 years and he never turned his back on God. He prophesied for 41 years, never turned his back on God. And we're going to talk a little bit about the time that he was prophesied in. And, and we, we call today being a rough time. And we're going to see that in just a minute. But we think about that, and, and that's kind of where I want to get to, is, is where he's at in his life. Um, Jeremiah, I want to first of all, number one tonight, I want to look at Jeremiah's complaint. Jeremiah's complaint. He had a complaint. He said, in verse number six, Then I said, Oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. And when I first read this, I said, I'm a child. And a lot of commentaries would agree he would be considered a child. But when you study at that word child, it actually doesn't talk about him being young necessarily. That word child there actually talks about him being shy. And I can look across this congregation tonight and I see a lot of shy people. I see a lot of people who if you were to ask them to come before the church and say something, nope, not me. Get somebody else to do it. That's being shy. You go, go on visitation with some people. You're knocking on the door. Go with on visitation with the kids. All right, we went on visitation a few weeks ago with the kids, and um, Cassie, Cassie, she talked once, right? Did it? But the girl, the twins, they they wouldn't. They had none. They tried. They went to the door and they chickened out, like as the person's coming to the door. So I mean, I'm 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 here to help them at this point. Then I had to change my dress. Oh, it, it'll really mess you up. Um, but that's called being shy, and and we can all say that there's a part of us that's shy. It's hard for us to say, sir, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven or hell? That's hard for us to do. So we could say that we're all got that in us a little bit. It's hard for us to walk up to a complete stranger in Walmart and said, Sir, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? That's hard to do. That's against our flesh. Our flesh does not want to do that. So Jeremiah had a complaint. He was shy. And Jeremiah had a complaint. And, and we wonder why he had a complaint. And I was thinking about this. And, and we're kind of going to look ahead in his life a little bit. And we'll understand why he was a complaint. Why he had a complaint. And why he may have thought, this is not going in the direction that I want it to go in. And that's kind of what he was thinking. Look at this. He, uh, his first, he first started prophesying during the reign of, um, uh, of Jehoiakim. But there's two other kings that Jeremiah spent time with before then, and which would have been King Hosea. Uh, I've said that wrong. Josiah. King Josiah. He was the eight-year-old king. Um, he, took, he took reign when he was eight years old. You can find his story in 2 Kings 22. Um, he was probably the better of the five. He still wasn't perfect, but he was probably better of the five. Think about this right here. He went into the, uh, uh, to, to the temple, and they found the remnant of the scrolls. And he took those scrolls, and um, he read those scrolls and realized that, you know, we're not living up to what God wanted us to live to. We, 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 we're missing out on some things. And he had, he, he had Jerusalem repeat. He had them going in the right direction. So I couldn't help but think, but Jeremiah's a little kid, probably seen him rule. He probably remembers this time. He probably remembers when he had that nudge. So he's seen the potential of the people. 
He's seen what can happen. You know, there's kids sitting in here today that seen the potential of God in 2016. They've seen the potential of what God can do this past year in May. He's seen what God can do in the January meeting of 2016. And all these things, we've seen the potential of what God's doing. And that's what Jeremiah's seen. It lit a fire in him. And it started, so there was a little bit of a spark. We were talking about the preacher that had the spark, that lit the spark here at the church many years ago. I don't even know the preacher, but I thank God that he done that. He came in and lit a little fire and got a fire under some people. And look what the church is today. All because of a little, a little ember that got lit. And got started. And it was, it, it spread like a wildfire. And look what the church is at today. And we see this and we see that, um, that he founded the book of the law. He restored the Passover. But then he kind of messed up at the end of his life. He got a little overeager. That's what I want to say. I don't know if that's exact proper terminology, but he got overeager. He got too eager. He went out of the will of God. He went to Egypt to kill the king, to kill the, 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 the army of the Egyptian army. He ends up dying out there. And that sets a, a, um, a chain reaction for the next set of kings. It's a long time after this before they have a solid king over Jerusalem. Think about this right here. His son, um, jo- Joahaz, I'm not sure how you say it, that's close enough. He, he reigned for three months. He reigned for three months. Um, he did evil in God's eyes, is what we read about in the book of Kings. He was taken to Egypt captive. And, he, and when he came out of Egypt, he had a lot of idolatry. So he, he, he was evil. And, and then we have Jehoiakim, which is where, where Jeremiah starts his prophecy at. Um, he, come, he comes to um, Jerusalem, but he comes because of the assists of, of Pharaoh. So that's how he, comes, he becomes king, is because Pharaoh puts him as king. And um, he, he reigns for 11 years. He did evil in the eyes of God. He shed innocent blood in Jerusalem. Then we have the man by the name of, of Jehoiachin. He reigned three months. He did evil in God's eyes. Um, the, he, he lost the kingdom to King Nebuchadnezzar. This would probably have been the time that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were taken in, into captivity. That was probably during this time, a lot of people believe. And then we have the last king, which is Zedekiah. He fought against Nebuchadnezzar. He lost the whole city, and he was captured. Now get this. this, this guy, now Jeremiah would have seen all this. He would have seen this happen. Catch this right here about Zedekiah. He saw his two sons died. And that was the last images the man had on earth. Because right after this, his eyes were plucked out of his out of socket for the rest of his life. So he was blinded for the rest of his life down here on earth. He was his eyes was he was forced to he was forced to leave Egypt. Or he was supposed to he was forced to live in Egypt, and he was released at the end of his life because they felt sorry for him. So Jeremiah, he probably at the early in his life, he probably seen a little bit of glimmer of hope. Um, he probably um, he probably knew after he seen that glimmer of hope, he realized, you know what. That's those kind of kings, those other ones, that's who we don't need. And, he's, and it, so you got to imagine what's going through his head when he's shy. The reason he's shy is because, how am I going to stand up to these guys? I mean, one guy even, the, the one guy, Zedekiah, that even tried to, he had his eyes plucked out. He, had, he lost his family. He lived a terrible life after this. And finally, he was released later on in his life, but still, he lived a terrible life. So Jeremiah had a hardship. I don't know of anybody that got their eye plucked out just because somebody was being mean. You know what I'm saying? So we have it pretty good. Church, if we look at what we had compared to the men of old, we've got it pretty good. Jeremiah's time, they were looking for, um, uh, they would rather rebel instead of repent. Or, or they would rather rebel instead of see obedience. They would rather have reformation instead of repentance. And they would, have, they would, they would rather be in politics instead of have principle about their life. That's what they were going through. Jeremiah really probably said, there's no hope. Why do I need to go speak? Surely, God, you've got somebody else. 
And that may be somebody here tonight. God's wanting to use you, but you're saying, surely you've got somebody else that you can use. Surely you've got somebody else that can take the place. Surely there's somebody else in this room that has a, has the wheel, has the willpower to go and do it. But then we see, not only do we see Jeremiah's complaint, then we see God's correction. We see God's correction. In verse, later on, in verse number seven, it says, but the Lord said unto me, say not that I am a child, uh, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Look, God's correction, he, um, it was a peaceful correction. That was a very, he didn't give him no harsh words. He, he, didn't, he didn't go and just completely just destroy him. He gave him just, don't do that. You're more than a child. He said, he probably even took him back to the reverse and said, remember, I formed thee in the belly. He said, my hands is what molded your body. My hands is what molded your feelings. That's my hands. That's my work you're talking about. And if you're talking about yourself and you're putting yourself down, then you might as well be putting me down. That's what God was telling him. But he was just doing it in a peaceful way. It was very peaceful. Not only was it peaceful, but it was promising. He was promising. We go back to verse number five. It says, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before I, um, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto all nations. You know what? It was a promising. He promised him. He said, you know what? I'm not only preparing you right now, but I'm also, I'm getting into my next point because it was also a preparing correction. Um, he said, I'm not, I, he said, I'm not just preparing you. I'm preparing the people. There's going to be people there that's going to be willing to hear. Church, you may be wondering, there's nobody out there want to hear you. Preachers, there may be times out there, nobody wants to hear me preach. God has prepared you. God has formed you. He has used you. He wants to use you. He's got somebody out there for you. And that's even for the for just the everyday Christian. There's somebody out there that you're supposed to win to God. There's somebody out there that you're supposed to plant that seed in. And God wants you to do it, so just do it. Just do it. It's that simple. Just do it. Chunk your pride and do it. That's what God wants us to do. It's a promising. And I said it was a preparing. Look at verse number 9. It says, Then the Lord put forth His hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Look at this right here. That is a personal call. He personally called him. He said, look. He said the Lord put forth His hand. That was His hand. Could you imagine God reaching down through the portals of heaven and reaching down and touching your mouth? Reaching down and saying, this is my words that I'm putting in your mouth. Uh, he don't literally do that anymore, but he give us his word of God. He give us his very words that we can put in our mouth and we can use it. We was talking about some old preachers of days gone by at Bible college the week before last and they were talking about a preacher from Northwood. I can't remember his name, uh, Brother Bass or Brother Dakota could probably tell you who it was. But they said he was preaching one night at Northwood and said he got plugged in. And he quoted 11 verses out of the book of Revelation straight. Or 11 chapters, not 11 verses, 11 chapters of the book of Revelation straight through. Carter quote, and it said that it just said the Lord just showed up. And that's, that's God putting His words in our mouth. That's His word right here. Every, every dot, every comma, every exclamation point, every thee, every thou, that is the very word of God that we have, and all we gotta do is speak it, and that's God's words. Just do it. Just do it. That's, that's all, it's simple tonight, church. Just do it. Just show up and just do it. Look at this right here. Not only is it a personal, but it's practical. Look at verse number 10. He says, see, I have this day set thee over the nations. He said, see, look, I've done it. I've already got it prepared. I've already got it set up for you. Just do it. But not only is it personal, is it practical, but it's also partnering. Lord put forth His hand. He put forth His hand. It's His hand. He'll guide us. It's a partnering. Let's look right here. Let's move on. Not only do we see Jeremiah's complaint and we see God's correction, but then we see God's constructed stronghold. 
We see God's constructed stronghold. He says, I will, and he says, I have. He says, I will, and I have. When God says it, he means it. When God says it, he means it. Look at verses number 18 and 19. The Bible says, "Before, uh, For behold, I have made thee this day a defense city, and an iron pillar, and a brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, and against the princes thereof, uh, thereof, and against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord God, saith the Lord to deliver thee. Take a look right here. I was looking at that and I was thinking about that defensed city. I was thinking about that defensed city for just a second. That would have been a physical protection. That would have been a physical prote- protection. You know what? That would, that would have been inapproachable by the enemy. That defense city that God puts around us, it's inapproachable by the enemy. Unless God lets him in. In the jo- book of Job, we talk, we learn about that, that hedge that's about us. And the only reason Job went through what he went through, the only reason you go through what you've gone through, the only reason is because God's allowed it. He's only going to allow God to put, or the Satan to push so far. He's only going to, but we give Satan all the credit. We give him all the credit. Satan's on my back today. Satan ain't on your back. If Satan was on your back, he'd be dead, you'd be in hell. That's about the only place he can get on your back. Because God, is the, if you're saved, that's if you're saved. If you're not saved, yeah, he can get you. He can get you if you ain't saved. And tonight's, what better night tonight than to get saved? But, think about that. God allows that to happen. You, you are inapproachable. <laughs> Brother Josh, you're inapproachable unless God says otherwise. You're inapproachable. I think about this all the time. It can't, Satan can't get you. You ain't gonna lose your salvation. It's solid. It's settled. It's done. It's over with. So just do it. Whatever it is in your life, just do it, church. I'm here tonight to tell you, to just do it. I ain't gotta be specific on what it is because you know exactly what it is. You've sat through service after service, meeting after meeting. You've sat through it and you've been miserable. How do you know that? Because I used to do that. When you're out of the will of God and you go to a meeting, you're miserable. I'm just here to tell you, you're straight up miserable. You will look for every fault that you can find in somebody. I remember when we came here, and I'm not going to say I was out of the will of God, but we were trying to figure out where to go to church at. I wish that I could sit down and tell you the things that God or the Satan made me look at to try to get me not to come to church here. I'm talking about everything. I mean from the color of the carpet to the color of the walls, to, to the preacher and how he dressed, how he talked, how he sp- I'm everything. The order of the service. Satan jumped on my back over the order of the service. I, it was crazy, the songs that were sung. He got me on everything. And, 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 but we're inapproachable. It's amazing what God will do for us. But look right here, it's a defense city. It's physical. God has a hedge about him. Jeremiah had a hedge about him. Think about this right here. Not only do we see the defense city, but we see the iron pillar. There was an iron pillar. So I started studying on those iron pillars, and I found out that an iron pillar would have been an average of five meters by five meters wide. And they would have been used in towns or in cities or in buildings that would have had a lot of earthquakes. And they were there to hold up from the shaking. They were there to hold on to the shaking. I think that's very interesting right here that God tells Jeremiah this. He says, He says, I'll make you an iron pillar. He said, I'll make you the one thing. Think about this right here. When you look at the old pictures of Greece, for example. Think about this right here. You look at or modern day images of ancient Greece. What do you still see standing? The pillars. The pillars are still standing. That's why God used it. He said, I know them pillars are strong. He said, I know they're strong. He says, I'm going to make you one. 
He said, you know what? You may never touch anybody. You may never see anything. And as far as we know, the, the stuff that Jeremiah prophesied about, he probably never seen it come true. He probably not one time seen anything come to life. He, think about this right here. There's a possibility, I was reading from one commentary, that said that there's a possibility that Daniel would have had the writings of Jeremiah in his hand. Think about that for a minute. This right here, the very words, call unto me, and I'll show thee great and mighty things, for thou knowest not. Imagine being Daniel, and you're going into the lion's den. Let me rephrase that. You're going into the den of lions. You're going into the den of lions, and going through your mind the whole thing, the whole time going, call unto me. Call unto me, and I'll show thee great and mighty things, for thou knowest not. Call unto me. Call unto me. Daniel may not have knew what he was talking about when he, when he first started praying. But imagine as he went on in his life, just like we do. When we first start praying as kids, we don't know what we're praying about. We don't have a clue. We, 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 we just know that we're praying because we're taught to pray. But when that becomes real to us, when those words, when these words come off the page, they become more than just a storybook. They become a reality to us. That's at those moments that we become inapproachable. When we can have these on, when we have God's word to attack Satan with. We, we try to a lot of times to attack Satan with our own, with our own abilities. When we need to just let back and take the word of God that he's already put in our mouth. And that's how we need to attack Satan with. We're, we're inapproachable. That pillar right there, it was immovable. That pillar was immovable. I mean, you are immovable tonight. Satan can't get you. I know we've already went over that. But look at this right here. Then we see the brazen wall. Uh, the brazen wall, the brazen wall that was put up uh, right there in verse number 18, that would have been to make it impenetrable. Impenetrable. If, if a wall is built by God, it's impenetrable. It's impenetrable. So you're, in a, you're to Satan, as Satan's on the outside looking at you, the only thing he can see is that you're inapproachable, you're immovable, and you're impenetrable. What is he going to do now? He's still going to fight. I'm not going to say he ain't going to fight you because he's still going to fight. But he's going to fight. But that God has constructed a stronghold around Jeremiah. And he has constructed a stronghold around you. All you got to do is just realize that it's there. And accept it. And know that it's there. And know that it's there. It was a God constructed a stronghold. Number four. Look right here at God's final call. God's final call. Let me, let me back up just a little bit. I do want to cover one more thing that I think that I think will really help you. Think about this. We always, preachers, we use Jeremiah 20 and 9. Jeremiah chapter number 20, verse number 9. That's that verse where we talk about the fire in our bones. That could not be shut up. Let me just read it to you. Jeremiah chapter number 20. Jeremiah chapter number 20 and verse number 9. We're right here at it. So let's just flip over here and read it. I'm talking about being inapproachable, immovable, and impenetrable. Think about this in verse number 9. The Bible says, Then I said, I will make mention of him. I wrote the wrong verse down. I'm sorry. Jeremiah 20 and 9. Yeah, I'm right. Then I said, I will make mention of him, nor I, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. And now think about this right here. I almost wondered as, as Jeremiah was pinning these very words down. Now we've read about and we've talked about everything that he's seen. Imagine, he, he remembers probably seeing the king of his country, the king of his people, have his eyes plucked out of his head. He's seen this. He has seen evil. And now we come to find out that God is, as now God is the one that is punishing man. God, if we read on early in that chapter about uh, of Pasher, how you say God's punishing him? God's punishing. And, and Jeremiah probably throws his pen down. Probably says, "I'm done." Probably we don't know that, but he could. 
He could have threw his pen down and said right there in the middle of verse number 9, Then I said, I will make mention of him. I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. I can, I can just see it in my head, him throwing his pen down. And then that old God come back to him and started dealing with him again and started working in him again. And then he pens the rest of the verse and it says, But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones and I was weary for forbearing and I could not stay. He couldn't stay in that way very long. It was very, because he realized, you know what, I am approachable. I am immovable. And I am impenetrable. As long as I'm with God. That's where I'm at. Look at this right here. God, he gives a God, God gives him a final call. In verse number 17 of, of chapter number one. Let's go back to chapter number one. In verse number 17. The Bible says, Thou therefore gird up thy loins, and arise and speak unto them all that I command thee. Uh, be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound before thee. Look at this right here. He says, he says, gird up thy loins. And church, here's my message to you tonight. Let's gird up our loins. I studied out that what that would mean, and and it's pretty interesting when you study uh, study out the 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 what people the fashion of that day. Uh, men would have wore kind of what like a dress almost. It would have been open in the bottom, so y'all women can contest to this. If you've got to run and attack an enemy, and your dress has got you, it's kind of hard to run. So they'd gird up her loins. So what the men would do is take the skirt. And I watched a video on how they do it. It's pretty interesting. He could do it pretty quick. He would take this long thing that he was wearing, he had a belt on him, and he would pull it up and tie it real tight. I don't know how he done it, but he turned, he turned what was kind of like a dress into a pair of shorts. It's pretty much the way I can do it. And he got ready for battle. He got ready for battle. And everywhere that I could find, when I study out that phrase, gird up thy loins, you're getting ready for battle. You're getting ready for something. And God's trying to get Jeremiah ready. He said, gird up your loins. You're young. You're a teenager. You don't know what you're about to see. I know what you're about to see. He said, but you don't have a clue. I understand that you're going to see some things that you don't want to see. You're going to see people you know get hurt. You're going to see people that you think the world of. You're going to see your very own family members, your friends. You're going to see them go astray. You're going to see the enemy come in and destroy them and cut their heads off. You're going to see, you're going to see your entire home gone. You're going to see people you know be thrown into a fire. You're going to see these things. You're going to witness all these things. You're going to know exactly how it feels later on. He said, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you now. Gird up your loins. I'm here to tell you it ain't an easy fight, but gird up your loins. There's some things that we need to gird up our loins in. We need to gird up our loins in our minds. We need to gird up our loins in our minds. Here's my question to you tonight. What are you thinking about, church? What's on your mind all the time? We sit back and we see these men of old and we notice that they had to fight. I mean, it was a constant warfare. They're, they're constantly, they, 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 they prayed constantly. I mean, talk about how often they prayed and how much God they had on them because they prayed. But they went through a lot of hardship. They went through a lot. There's time, church, we're not being persecuted today. There's no persecution much in the church today at all. We talk about there being a little bit, but compared to the days of old, there's nothing. And, and, and it's this time that it's hard to pray. It's hard to get our mind on God. It's hard to do it. But we gotta gird up our loins anyway. 
We got to tighten down the we got to tighten down the hatches. We got to get up into the prayer prayer closet. We've got to get in there and we got to beg God. We got to pray God to fill us up. We got to pray God to fill our pastor up. We got to pray God to fill our teenagers up. They're going, they face Satan every day. They face the world on a daily basis. There's statistics that I could give you that the preacher has shared with me on the kids and it would absolutely blow your mind of the elementary school kids who don't know Christ. And who elementary school kids between elementary school and middle school make that decision. And I believe it's because we as adults, we have not girded up our loins. And we've not got our mind right on God. And we have dropped the ball. We're the ones that have missed the mark. We've sat there and said, well, my grandpa, my grandpa's religion was enough for me. It's not enough. What my grandpa done back in the 60s and 70s is not enough for me today. What we done in 2016 will never be enough for these kids to make it the rest of their life. They've got to have God now. They've got to have Him more every day. They've got to see it in us. They've got to see the love of God in us. They've got to feel the love of God in us. They've got to know that we love Him. And they've got to see that our mind is on Him. And that's what God wants. He wants our mind. He wants our mind. He wants everything about us. But our mind is where we can get in trouble at. Our mind is where we think of those thoughts that we don't say. Our mind is where we, 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 we do those things in our mind and we say those things in our mind that never come out of our mouth. And those moments that our mind is in an idol, that's when Satan has a field day. When we have an idle mind, Satan has a field day. Satan loves to get in our minds. He loves to attack our minds. We look at everything. I, could, I, could, I tell you, I think you could go back to every kid that has ever, 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 including myself, that has ever sinned. Or every person you could say in that that has ever sinned. And you take it back, it's a mind game. Something got in your mind at some point. You think about those kids who had, who, who, who had premarital sex. Something made them think about that. Something they did, whether it be a movie, whether it be a magazine, whether it be something they looked on their phone, whether it be some kids that were talking about it at school, whatever it was, something got in their mind that said, I want to try it. The first time a drug addict tried drugs, I guarantee it. I don't know what it's like. I've never tried them. I couldn't tell you. Or a drunkard. I don't know what alcohol tastes like. But I guarantee you the first time that they ever done it, that was put, it was put in their mind. Either from somebody else they knew, or from... Maybe they seen it on TV and thought it was cool. I don't know. It was something that was put in our mind. That's where Satan wants to work. We gotta gird up our minds. We gotta gird up our minds. First Peter 1-3 tells us about that. Tells us about that. Not only do we need to gird up our, uh, gird up the loins of our minds, we need to gird up the loins of our missions. Of our mission. What is our mission, church? To reach the whole world with the gospel. I wanna ask you a question. And I'm talking to myself here. And this is hard to ask. Because I've got to look at myself when I say this. How many people have I shared the gospel with this week? How many people have I shared the gospel with this week? And I can tell you right now, I've let God down in that. I've disappointed Him. I've probably even made Him sick. Because He was thinking about other people that I had the opportunity to witness to and I didn't take it. We need to gird up our loins of our mission, church. It's not just the preacher's mission to tell the world about the gospel. It is every member's, it's every, it's every Christian's responsibility to say, sir, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven or hell? That's our goal. That's, that's reaching the world with the gospel. And I think we get so trapped up in this moment of, well, I give to world missions. Ain't that, ain't that, ain't that giving? I give money. Ain't that reaching the world? It is. 
But God wants more than your money. (laughs) God wants your personal life. He wants you to go physically. Because like I said before, there is somebody out there that God has prepared you for. Before He formed you in the belly, before you came out of your mother's womb, He said, I've got somebody for you to witness to. Now, are their hand, are there, is, is their blood going to be on your hands on judgment day? Is there blood? I got, I, I'm afraid to say, I'm afraid to say that I've got blood on my hands on judgment day. Let me rephrase that. I know that I will. There's people that I went to school with that I don't have contact with now. I, I don't know, I don't know their lives. I, I don't know if we'll ever have a conversation again. Some of them live ac- across the world. I had an opportunity to witness to them, girls. I had the opportunity, Adam, and I didn't take it. I thought hanging out with the girls was more important. I thought playing baseball was more important. All that I thought was more important. I let God down in that. We need to gird up our loins and our mission. We need to gird up our our loins and our minds. But we also need to gird up our loins and our method. God's not looking for a coward. God's not looking for a coward. There's too many cowards sitting in the church today. In Revelation chapter number, let me just go over and read it to you. In Revelation chapter number 21 and, um, and verse number 8. Verse number 8. Let me read what the Bible says here. In Revelation 21.8. Notice something here. Notice something here in 21.8. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the, scor- and the, uh, uh, scor- the sor- sorcerers and, and the idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire uh, and the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. It's amazing to me that the very first thing that's said there, but the fearful. That word fearful there, if you study it out in the Greek, it means it's the timid. Well, we could say it, the cowards. Don't be a coward. We, we, we've sat around and there's preachers that won't even... I, I hate to even say it, but I went to a funeral not long ago and a preacher had an opportunity, had a chance. There was people sitting in the church lost. They would never ever shadow the doors of a church. They would never shadow the doors of a church. But they did for this special meeting. And not the gospel was not presented. Church, we've got to take the time for these people. We've got to. We, we've got, God wants us. He don't want no coward. Don't be a coward. I don't want to be a coward. I've, I've tucked my tail and ran too many times. I've tucked my tail and ran because God asked me to do something too many times. I said, God, I'm nothing but a child. I'm shy, God. I don't want to do it. That's my excuse. I'm just shy. God's going to look at me one day and say, you should have done it. You should have done it. So as we stand tonight, and Cassie, would you come play for us on the piano? As we stand tonight, I want you to ask yourself a question. Simple question. Real simple. Am I a coward? Am I a coward? Have I missed the mark in witnessing? Have I missed the mark 